Hello and welcome to the Bridge Podcast. Nope. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Say That Podcast. Your every questions get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago, and this one is already off the rails. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. Which podcast is this again? I have no idea. Welcome to WTF. Yeah. I'm one of the McElroy brothers, I think. Also joining us, Jed Brew, the director of Mission USA Productions. We are all so tired. I think it's we're almost hallucinogenic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think this is the one where we interview political leaders and pretend to play D&D. Sure, yeah, sounds right. Maybe. Something like that. Also joining us, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. Hello, hello. We're, is, this, is this Sermon Exploder? Yes, is this Sermon podcast? Exploder. That's yeah, right. That's right. It should also be a useful tool to have at the bridge. Just a little plunger in the back that Glenn can push. Oh, don't get me started. <laughs> I won't get you started. What I will do is declare a popularity emergency. Ooh. Whoa. Wait a second. I thought we were just going to get straight to the wisdom. This well, week. Glenn, I can see why you think that. And that was our goal. But for the 250th time in a row, we've had something important come up. Well, that's a, that's a surprise. Let's get right to it. Let's get right to it. We had a tweet come on on the Twitters. Ah, whoa. Nice. And this is this may be the greatest tweet that was ever tweeted. Ooh, wow. For my money, is from our friend Guinevere in Malaysia. It says, one of my recent life goals is to promote At The Bridge CHI. Go ahead and throw us a follow there on Twitter, At The Bridge CHI. Podcast to as many people as possible. Nice. Because we need more super fans. Right. Truer words have never been spoken. Now, is this Malaysia, Indiana? or the, Yeah. Or the yes. Malaysia, Malaysia? Both. Okay. Yeah. I think the key thing is, no matter where you live, talk about the podcast. Absolutely. Share it with the people. Quite. Also, we were going to talk about how to promote the, the podcast in Malaysia, but Matt was not confident I could do that without setting off some form of international incident or slightly racist well, remarks. <laughs> yes. He has, well, he has precedent on his side. Unintentionally yeah. racist sure. remarks. Well, it always still. is. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. That's right. It still your, counts. Your plan was, and I quote, I could go on Wikipedia and look up things about Malaysia <laughs> and right. in real time construct a way to. Yeah. I, folks, I felt we were going to lack the, the certain level of cultural sensitivity. Yeah. You know, I, it, uh, that was going to go horribly to wrong. To pull off that mission. And that's, that's uh, critical to our point here because we can't. Spread the the news of the podcast to the people of Malaysia because we will make a mess of that. Yeah, that's right. That's why we need friends like Miss Guinevere there. We can't go to New Zealand and tell about the podcast in New Zealand. We don't. The, it's everything's upside down. Absolutely, All the blood would rush directly to our head. That's how that works. We can't do that. We we can't do anything on that subcontinent. So I have our friends Bridie and Patricia down there, Australia. Many other wonderful friends, Bridgebox subscribers, great people in Australia and New right. Zealand holding it down for us. Great friends in Canada. It's too cold. It's way too it's cold. It's too cold. And the people are disconcertingly polite. Yeah. I was in an, I, my own, my most recent time I've been in Canada, which both Glenn and Jed have been more recently, was just at a layover in the Toronto airport. And when the people in the airport restaurant are chipper and yeah. nice, yeah. that will oh. really discombobulate an American. What are they trying to pull? What's your game, man? No right? doubt about it. So we, we can't speak to them on that level. That's why we have our many wonderful friends in Canada, the UK, these many places. But the thing is, people want to spread the word about the podcast. They do. Well, of course. Okay. And I think it's incumbent on us to try to give them some tools to help them do that. Sure. Yeah. Right. Well, 
maybe you could just yell at people. Well, in Chicago, that would work. Right. Sure. If you said, hey, you, this podcast has cheese. You have a new listener now. That's right. Do you have to pay extra for the cheese? Cheese is free. What if I still don't want it? You don't like cheese? What's wrong with you? <laughs> uh, if, you if you've not listened to podcast very long... That, that's a, a reenactment of a real conversation I had trying to order a hamburger when I first moved to this town. We don't have hamburgers here. We have cheeseburgers. <laughs> the right. cheese is free. Just go with it. You're taking but the I cheese. But I still don't want cheese. It's <laughs> free. Like cheese. What's wrong with you? Yeah. They tried. I bought, I bought an, an iPhone recently. They tried to put cheese on it. <laughs> it's not a cheese app. It's a single, just a craft single. Yeah. I, I, will, I will short tangent off this. And this will, the, you got you to understand the local culture. Uh, my friend uh, Dave, friend of Lee and I, was visiting me here a couple years ago. He had a buddy in town. They're going to go see the soccer, mm. the football. Is yes, what they know it. right. It's the right. Chicago Fire. It was in the Chicago Fire Stadium. Jed mm. knew a sports thing. We were I had to get it out Whoa. there. Jed knowing a sports thing. We were, they were, in fact, I believe they were seeing Chicago Fire against the visiting Tottenham Hotspur. Oh, really? Uh, the English Premier League. They'll occasionally do a tour. I, but all that to say, I, uh, it's late at night. My buddy, uh, pick up Dave from the game. He says, well, we're, we're a little hungry. Can we grab something to eat? And you would think this is the third largest city in America. It's a city known for its food, its culture. Surely there are many wonderful options to eat after 10 p.m. Nope. You would be incredibly wrong. Um, so I take them to the local Lucky Dog. Ah. A, uh, an ironically named yes. Lucky <laughs> Dog. No one, no, one in, no one in there is lucky. No, yeah. the luck is not flowing. Least of all you. That's yeah. Right. And uh, <laughs> This is a place we eat at once a week. But Yeah, yes. yeah we, we love it, but we're yeah. awful. Your GI that's yeah, right. exactly right. We, ca- we come in pre-defeated. Yes. Um, so uh, Dave's buddy orders, a, he said, look at the menu and said, "Can you? Eat, who can eat a hero this late at night? Uh, and so, uh, there were many things that he was not just, he's like, should I get the soup? And I don't get the no. soup. No. Um, but he orders a cheese dog, which he assumes will be a hot dog with melted cheese on it. So a perfectly reasonable assumption. It was literally a hot dog with a cold American cheese slice wrapped around it. <laughs> That's right. And this brother was just... He, it was, there, there are moments in the world that change your perspective and where the world has failed you and yeah. you, you really feel less safe yeah. in the universe than you are. Yeah. He was having one of those moments. Yeah. If and only someone had been there to say, here's this encouraging podcast. Exactly right. Here's what I think. We should just record promos for every culture in the country. Okay. That's an awful idea. And then you could just put that out there. Absolutely. You absolutely could not put that out there. So uh, putting that out there would be the end of this podcast. So like if it's Canada, right? Okay, that's safe-ish. Say, good day, eh? Yeah, it's good. I don't think Canada does the good day. Okay, put a shrimp on the Barbie, eh? Top of the morning, <laughs> eh? That's right. Yeah, and then you say, are you trying to record like one that works for the entire Commonwealth? Or? That's right. <laughs> and you say, Cheerio, here's eh? if you still have the Queen on your money. That's right. This promo's for you. Uh, <laughs> and they also have beavers on their money. But the thing is, that's you true. tell them, hey, uh, you want a podcast that's as good as maple syrup. Mm. Goes down oh. sweet. You listen to the Say That podcast because you've already got the the, the handsome prime minister. Yeah. Listen, now, here's a handsome podcast. Glenn's, now here's a Glenn's podcast. very jealous of your, your Canadian prime this minister. This podcast is just as handsome. That's a handsome dude. This I I, I feel Trudeau level <laughs> handsomeness is not a, a promise we can fulfill. So uh so that's Canada. Sure. What what's next? Oh mm. sure. How about youth culture? Just Good, generally youth go. culture. I'd like to hear that. <laughs> Let's get away from nations. 
Hey, kids. Hello, youths. <laughs> Hello, fellow kids. Hey, kids. We got a podcast that's that's jamming and rocking. It's groovy. It's lit, man. You hep cats. It's the hapman thing for all the cool cats out there who want to listen to something that's so hopping off in oh, man. we're in a lot of decades with this one maybe you Booyah. and your bay need something no. to listen to together <laughs> no that was awful wait but i don't i'm not supposed to use the word yours just you and bay right yeah, That's right. yeah. who are you asking yeah you, I, I don't even know who on you, this podcast can the letter u know the letter r yeah bay yeah you and Bay. Yeah, yeah. You mean Plus Michael the, Bay? You and Michael Bay can listen actually, to the podcast together? Dude, if we could get Michael Bay to listen to the podcast, that would be awesome. Sure. Be way more explosions after the fact. Well, right. be, that's fine. But yeah. Okay, then let's do, because you mentioned, and it's true, we have a, a lot of uh, UK fans. Oh, no. Yep. So I think we ought to. This is already an island in turmoil, Glenn. Let's not. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do my British salute. They can't see it on the Visual, podcast. Audio medium. Well, now we yeah. owe royalties to the Queen. <laughs> and, hey, and Johnny Rodden. Somehow. Yes. <laughs> look, people in the UK. <laughs> this one started off aggressive. <laughs> look. Listen, listen. Quit fooling around. Yeah. Listen to the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not playing with you people anymore. <laughs> this is not the way the British communicate. This, this, is, this is just naked hostility. Let me tell you the what. The British specialize in deeply covered hostility. Let me tell you, I'm going to tell you something about yourselves, Britain. Okay. Oh, gosh. When you, when you travel the world, wherever you go, yeah. you say, when you get there, you might say to yourself, I want to go to a restaurant. Yes. Right. And if you're in France, this has now just Italy. become convenient cover for Glenn's pre-existing rants. Right. <laughs> you say, I'd like to go eat at a British restaurant. Well, you know what? They don't have those because your food is awful. <laughs> Listen to Say That Podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I think Glenn just negged Britain on the podcast. Yeah, that's exactly right. And it's, it's a bold strategy, that's it must right. be said. Hey, youths, do you want to hear Shade? <laughs> Tune into the Say That no, Podcast. Right? Oh, wow. No. Okay, so who, who else is that? We got to kick, click these off, man. We got time is wasting here. Oh, I feel like Jed can give soul. us something for the American South. Oh, boy. Howdy, y'all. <laughs> How y'all doing? How y'all doing? <laughs> That's all I got. <laughs> That's all you need. That salesmanship in just, the South. Just slow uh, it down some. I think you'll be fine. That salesmanship in the South. He's walk up to people in the studio and say, how y'all doing? Kenmore, right? And they just buy it. Seriously, I'm I rec- working on a project. It has to do with country music. We're putting together a, a demo of a radio show for, for country radio. I had to bust out the full-on Jed Country announcer voice. Wow. Yeah. So, I think I've got this. I okay, think I'm, I think I'm right. It's just, this is the intro. This is fantastic. I think it's an idea. Instead of looking at various lands, various distribution methods. Okay. So if we're going to do a say that promo right. on 107.7 WIVK Country Radio, yeah, and it goes a little something like this. Howdy, y'all. You got questions? We got ourselves some answers. <laughs> Tune on into the... Wait, no, that's the wrong podcast. Tune on into the Say That Podcast. Yeah, let me tell you what. It's as good as Grandma's Biscuits. Let me tell you what. It's a bold claim. Listen yeah. to say that podcast is like beans and cornbread for your ears. Oh, that's good. Right? That's good. You know, that's so, so people can identify with that. 
I feel like we really covered the bases, giving the people a lot of good tools to work you know with. Who, you know who we ought to, because we got to expand. No, Let's, we don't. So let's do Russia. Nope. <laughs> oh, my. All the time we I have. Mean, is anybody even talking about Russia these days? That's all the Russia. time we have. I think it's time to declare emergency off. I think we can say, because we can build declare. some bridges and talk no. to people, have some secret meetings. Before the subpoenas <laughs> rush in, I hereby declare emergency, emergency off. <laughs> now, gentle listeners. This episode will be released at either the very end of May or maybe even early June. I can't be bothered to look at my calendar, but we're recording it early because we're going to have some movement. We're going to have right. we're moving the Say That World headquarters here. So we're recording this a whole this new underground bunker complex. Yeah. So we're, we're moving. We're, we're recording a little early. And time will tell if Glenn's Russia joke gets funnier Right. Or way more weird. Yes. <laughs> as time moves on. Das Vidanya. Start practicing. <laughs> Here's the thing, folks. Uh, our, our wonderful friends across the globe who um, do uh, tell their, their friends, their family, their loved ones, their hated ones, their enemies. We, we're fine if you tell your enemies sure, about the podcast. Um, lovely people. Uh, the other thing you can do, which our friends have often done, and we appreciate them very much. If you want a little more, say that in your life, you can always sign up for Bridgebox. Ooh. Mm. MissionUSA.com slash Bridgebox. We're just going to be moving in the month of June when this show comes out. And Jed, the topic for June is... How does God want me to think about sex? Uh, that's right. I had blocked out having to preach on that in my <laughs> mind. I was not the man for that job. A quote from that sermon. Matt says, well, one of the things the Bible's clear about is that God says lust is bad. Boo! <laughs> Literal thing that happened at the bridge. That's the, the perpetrator of which, 45-year-old woman. Yeah. That's the best place to preach in the whole world. It really <laughs> super is. So if you want to hear me being booed for pointing out <laughs> that the Bible is against lust, and what I declare, and I think I can stand by this, is the most honest moment in the history yes, of the bridge. Yes, uh, You can check out the bridge box. Only $8 a month to hear me in very uncomfortable giving a sermon and get booed within the first minute and a half. Wow. And if that's not worth $8, I don't know what is. There you go. But if you need a little more, all that money does go directly to what we're doing behind bars and on the streets with men and women who are caught up in gang lifestyle, uh, recovering from addiction, getting out of prison, and help support what Lee does down there with the youth. So lots of good music, all sorts of stuff. You can check it out, missionusa.com slash bridgebox. Ooh. We're going to jump to our first question here. If you hang out all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. First question comes in anonymously, and it says, I lost my friend to cancer very suddenly. She was the closest thing on earth to me, and the loss has shaken me really hard. Everyone tells me this is the time to lean on God to get through my grief. But I'm having a hard time trusting him right now. Why did she have to leave me so soon? I'm falling under depression, and I get overwhelmed with the thought that everyone experiences great loss at some point. How do I reach out to him even when I'm feeling so empty and hurt? Thanks for everything you guys do. And uh, obviously, we're incredibly sorry. There's, there's nothing about this that doesn't suck. Um, so, Jed, let, let's start off on this idea of, um, which I think is really the crux of our first question. There's a lot of uh, stuff about grieving that can be said around this, this idea of everyone's telling me to lean on God. Mm -hmm. That registers as good advice on some level, mm -hmm. but there's something stopping me from doing that. What do we think that thing is? That's a great question. Well, to repeat what Matt said, we're so sorry. Uh, we're sorry for your loss. We're sorry for the pain that you're dealing with. And we're praying for you. We've got your back and we want to be a part of your support network. So please stay in touch with us. People are telling you that you should lean on God, um, but it Sounds like that's not exactly working, and Matt is understandably asking what might be causing that. Uh, 
Well, I think here's a guess is that part of what might be getting in your way is a sense that you have some pretty negative feelings about God right now, which are super understandable, and that maybe God wouldn't be okay with that. That maybe right. God would be put off by the fact that you're mad at him. Um, you, you say in your question, having a hard time trusting him right now. That makes perfect sense. Uh, you wrote, why did she have to leave me so soon? That's a great question. And I think we wonder sometimes, would God be okay with me saying, I don't really trust you right now, and mm. I'm mad at you for taking away my friend? And yeah. if we're not sure that he'd be okay with that, then it's pretty hard to lean on him since right, we right. begin to suspect pretty understandably, maybe his heart isn't towards us in this moment. Maybe we're on the outs due to, to the feelings that we have. Well, that's just not true. That's, that's not what the Bible says. That's not what my experience or, or that of countless other Christians bears out. You, you end your question, you say, how do I reach out to him when I'm feeling so empty and hurt? And I presume you mean hurt by God. Here's what you do. This is the most righteous, maximum strength Christian thing you can do, is to take that emptiness and hurt to God right. and tell him about it. Right. You go directly to God and you say, I feel like you let me down. You go to God and you say, I am hurting and I think it's your fault. You go to God and you say, I feel really empty and abandoned and that's kind of because of you. You tell him those things. That's not the end of the conversation, but it is the beginning yes. of the conversation. Yes. And you go with the confidence that God, two things. A, God already knows you're thinking that stuff. Right. So it's, it's not lost on him. And that B, God isn't looking down on you for it. Mm -hmm. Here's a crazy thought and something that I would give you to, I hope to encourage you to take courage and, and go to the Lord in honesty, is to say, God doesn't actually disagree with you. Right. on what you're That's describing. Right. right. God may think that your view is incomplete, but that's not the same as disagreeing with you. That's mm -hmm. that's not quite the same thing. You had someone that you loved and that you're close to and they're gone now. And in this side of eternity you won't see them again. And that super duper sucks. That's yeah, that's right. really bad. Here's the thing, God thinks that sucks too. Right. God right. You may have a certain number of church people in your life that are telling you that God works in mysterious ways to so turn that frown upside down and just, you know, rejoice always. Hey, you know, that's yeah, just what I would do. I don't think God feels that mm -hmm. way at all. Mm -hmm. I think God agrees with you that this is a really crappy thing. Again, God, because he's God, is aware that there's more to it than that. But the fact that there's more to it doesn't mean that this part isn't true. The, the, the sucking is real. That's, that's there. So if you'll take that sense of emptiness and that sense of hurt to God and you'll, you'll tell him about it without worrying, am I saying the wrong thing? Because of course you're wrong. You're right. a human being. Yeah, you, you fall short, you're imperfect, you have an incomplete understanding. But if you go to him and be honest, a couple things will happen. First, it lowers the tension level. One of the things I think may be hurting you right now is feeling like you can't believe right things about God, and grieve honestly. Mm -hmm. And so there's a sense of what people refer to as dissonance in your head off of that. Here's the thing. You can be totally honest in your grief and believe that somehow in some way God is still in charge and still good. That's right. But the way that we cut that tension is going to God and being honest about how we feel. That's, mm -hmm. that's actually what happens. The second thing is when you unburden yourself by telling God how you're doing, the Bible promises that's the moment where God strengthens you. Mm. You do need strength for this, but what the Bible says is, cast your cares on the Lord 
and he will strengthen you. That's the way that process works. If we want strength from the Lord, it begins with honesty on our part. It begins with give, with telling him, here is what I'm upset about. Here's right. what's going on with me. And we need that strength for, for one final reason before I kick this around. Grieving takes a long time. Yeah. You're not going to be over this tomorrow. That's right. You're not going to be over this next week or next month and maybe not next year. And you shouldn't rush yourself through this. We need to embrace that this is going to take a while. This is a long-term process, and therefore we need strength on a day-by-day basis. We cannot and should not grit our teeth and try and just power through it and get to another side where we're not bothered by the same. That's a bad strategy. If we embrace it's going to take as long as it takes, and it's probably going to take a while, then I want to get in the habit of getting new strength every day. Mm-hmm. And that means going to the Lord with honesty about my frustrations and my hurt and my concern and my sense of letdown each day so that I can cut that tension and get some fresh strength. We love you. We've got your back. Keep your head up. Amen. Absolutely. That's a fantastic way to start us off. And Glenn, um, Jed is absolutely right that grief is a process. It takes as long mm-hmm. as it takes. You can't mm-hmm. actually rush that. It just has to be done. Um, but there will come a day where you land somewhere on that. Right. And I think we would do well as our uh, church friends in the question who are trying their best probably but don't have tools. So let's, let's both uh, line out for our friend here the things to remember for that day when you're ready to set some emotion aside. And right. hopefully for people who, if you have a, someone who goes something like this, let's give them smart things to say to reassure someone yes. as opposed to well-meaning but harmful things. <laughs> Absolutely. I think it's important for you to know that if any of us on this podcast were in your shoes, we'd have the exact same feelings. No right. And, ha- ha- yeah. and have had. And have had. So w- certainly we're not... Uh, judging or looking down in any way or saying that, that your feelings aren't valid or, or, or reasonable. If we feel that way, we know God feels that yeah. way, so that's fine. Uh, the, the big problem that you have here is you're looking for answers when what you need is healing. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, the answers won't satisfy you because you're hurting. That's yeah. an emotional problem. It's not a logical problem. The logical answer to this situation is, You do what I do, what everybody else does, is we write a future for ourselves and our friends and our family that God did not sign off on, that God did not create. You're creating a fictional future, that, and then when God doesn't fulfill that future that we sort of made up in our own minds, we feel betrayed by God, and Mm -hmm. there's no real, you know, that there's a logical breakdown. Hey, we had a deal here. Yeah, okay. So that's the answer to the, uh, that's the answer to your situation. And I imagine that gave you absolutely no comfort whatsoever. Right. And didn't really, because, because, uh, you know, that's, again, that's the logic of the situation, but it doesn't speak to the emotions of it. That's right. And this goes back to a very smart thing you said in our previous episode, which is it's not enough to be right. Exactly. Which I think uh, if you heard that, it did not do anything for you. That's not because you disagree with it, because you don't think it's right. That's it's right. right. It's just not sufficient for this moment. Absolutely right. You know, and, and we want to speak to your heart. You know, we we don't want to uh, talk a lot of <laughs> profound, uh, deep insights or w- any of that kind of stuff. Uh, it's really about we want to grieve with you in this moment. We want to we want to share in that moment uh, with you. Uh, the the thing that we wanted to land on. Uh, it, 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 just as we're not beginning with answers, we're beginning with healing, and as Jed is saying, and exactly rightly so, uh, honesty and open conversation, even if that includes anger, that's fine. God understands that. Uh, j- that's, so that's where we want to start. 
where we want to where we want to end up on this is with a clear focus on the fact that we will see our brothers and sisters in Christ again one day. Amen. That that belief needs to come to the forefront. That needs to be the thing that we're grounded in. Now, the the flip side of that coin is but I'm going to miss that person in the meantime. As well you should. And that's the part that we're not going to solve. And and I kind of right. don't think we should. You're yeah. supposed to miss mm-hmm. people when you don't see them. That's good and right and healthy. There should be some <laughs> honest hurt behind that. And yeah. that that will get to a place where it's not a, an, an aching, overwhelming thing. Uh, but it's the kind of thing you'll think of them often and you'll miss them. You say, man, I wish this person was around and so on and so forth. But there is... A, 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 a place we can land on where we are certain we will see that person again one day. That's absolutely right. I think these guys, uh, Lee, I'd love to get you to close out here. These guys have given us a lot of good stuff on that. Why don't you give us just a real quick overview of, as as Jed pointed out, you're going to have grief as a process. You're going to have good days and bad days. Yeah. Lee, wa- walk us through what one of those good days is going to look like and what one of those bad days is going to look like. Yeah, that's a great, that's a great question. And um, as Jed says, one of the, you know, one of the, kind of the the shining point of of these bad days is you are going to feel all those things. I mean, I love this advice of keeping God on the line, um, keeping that line open so that whatever you're feeling, you're talking with him about. On those bad days, you're going to feel like saying to God, look, even though I had a good day, and this this is important to know when you're going through the process of grief, even though I had a bad a good day yesterday, today I feel bad again. And today, I am once again mad at you. Now, even if you had a couple of good days strung together before that moment, that doesn't mean you're not allowed to communicate that thing. Um, recently, I heard, this was like a, you know, it was, it was one of these new um, worship songs or whatever that was out. And the bridge of this song said, you're never going to let, never going to let me down. And I thought, <laughs> you know what? That is a really crappy thing to do to a room of people is to make us all sing those words because uh, he is going to let you down sometimes. He's going to, as Glenn said, if you, you've got your idea of what you want your life to be. And as I love the way he said this, God didn't sign off on that. He's not going to give you what you ask for all the time. He doesn't give me what I ask for all the time. And I have felt very let down by God at times. And if you have a bad day, that's what it's going to feel like. As Matt's yeah. saying, what's a bad day look like? It's going to feel like that. It's going to feel, I'm going to feel angry. I'm going to feel frustrated. I'm going to feel, you're going to feel like you don't have a lot of motivation to to go to work or go to school. You don't, you're going to feel like you're, you might feel like your temper is short. You you need to be prepared to give yourself a lot of grace. Um, a lot of grace about, you need to give yourself a lot of grace about the way that you, the way that you do this, um, if you have, if you have a lot of just pain over memories and stuff like that, that's okay. That doesn't mean you're doing this badly. Um, if you have, one of the weird things about grief is, as Matt's saying, you're going to have th- that those emotions are going to swing, and you're going to have a good day, and it and it'll be like you can't calculate when this thing will hit, but you'll have a day where like. Your sense of humor returns and things are funny again and you want to hang out with your friends and you want to do fun stuff and you feel energized and and you feel like laughing and, and everything and and 
And it's important to not feel guilty about that. One of the things that the devil would love for you to feel is you should feel guilty about feeling bad because that means you don't trust God. And then you should feel guilty about being happy because that means you didn't miss your friend or something right. like that. that means yeah, you didn't, that's you know, the pendulum. Yeah, exactly. And so as we go through this, you have to understand that some days I'm going to feel really crappy and some days I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to feel good and have all this energy and stuff like that. But that doesn't mean I'm done with this grief process. And I still mm-hmm. have to walk through that. I still have to I still have to learn how to do that. It's going to take a long time. I'm gonna tell you something. That uh I one of the things that for me, this is a little different. This wasn't this wasn't a death in my life, but when my parents broke up, um that was a that was something that I grieved a lot. And it was hard on me and it was a tough situation and it was a it was a long time that I walked through it. Now, it happened uh like uh, 16 years ago. But here's the weird thing. I, I don't think about it very much, but every now and then, every now and then, maybe a couple, three times a year, some little trigger will hit, some song will come on, some little thing will happen. And I feel like I'm right back on day one. And it can be overwhelming and it can be tough. And all that to say, that doesn't mean that you're doing this poorly either. You're going to have times where you haven't you know, where you get through the overwhelming piece of the emotion of this, and then every now and then a day is going to hit where you're just down. You're just down. And what you need to do on those days is you need to have your tribe. You need to have your people around you that take care of you, that know your situation, who can come in, you know, with brownies and ice cream or with the movie or with the let's get out of the house or let's go do the thing or whatever it is. Let's have some plans in place for that kind of a day for when those triggers hit for, you know, people that know how to take care of you. Because even if you process all of this, you're still going to have down, you know, down days or down times or, 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 or situations where you get overwhelmed again and that's not a bad thing it doesn't mean that you don't love jesus it doesn't mean that you don't that you're doing this poorly it just means that you're a human being and you feel what you feel and there's nothing wrong with that amen that's absolutely amen. right all these guys gave you really fantastic stuff on that and again we're sorry yeah. that's that's a bummer uh preach this to yourself that th- there will come a time when happiness overtakes again that's okay it may be hard to see it from here but that that is a that is a a promise that god will come We'll come through on. Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll move on to our next question here. And this, this, we're, we, this is a question that came into Glenn's blog. Mm. Oh. If you've heard of a blog, some of our co-hosts are not familiar with that particular... Yeah. No, it doesn't sound familiar. ...digital platform. <laughs> but if you, if you know blogs, it's quite popular. Mm. Oh. oh. What does it mean to be popular? <laughs> what indeed, Jed? Is that the title of your think piece for the Atlantic? <laughs> Slate, please. Mm. What does it mean to be popular? In square quotes. Um, okay, but uh, so there's one question. We split it into two because I think there's two uh, aspects of this. And the first one, um, boy, friends, I hope you feel we did as well in that first question as I do. Okay. Because if you think we punted it, this is going to get awkward. <laughs> <laughs> because this question comes into Glenn's blog and says, thank you for the way you minister to people through your blog. I'm not trying to flatter you, but how do you know how to answer people's questions like that? So again... I feel that everybody did a great job that first question. And right. I hope you as a listener feel that way too. Otherwise, this is a bit awkward. Right. <laughs> but uh, great, great, we're fantastic answers. These guys always do a great job giving these answers. And Glenn, um, so there's, there's this, in the second part of this question, we're going to talk about how we learned the things you arrived at. But right. when someone asks you a question, we'll just 
whatever it could be, that could be on the blog, that could be guys sitting down at the bridge. You have a, a kind of a method to the way you want to figure out what kind of answer they're looking for. Right. Look for that. Can you walk us through the basics of that? Well, if you want to know how I get good at answering people's questions like this, the answer is failure. Years and years of failure. Yes. <laughs> that taught me many lessons mm. about how to not fail. Ah. Every, uh, everyone you're listening to has given some what we thought at the time were great sermon points uh, to a room full of blank, bordering on angry faces. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, I think ultimately, actually, let me start by demystifying any element of my own abilities or success or whatever have you. Here's the thing. If you, uh, we, we need to start by asking the, or answering this question, how much of the success and ability that I have is based on talent or giftedness? The answer to that question is zero. Yes. Mm -hmm. I don't have talent or giftedness that helped me to do this. I have weaknesses that I have to overcome in order to mm. get good at the, any of this stuff. Uh, that, that's not nearly as exciting as the version I had in my head. That's right. There is. That's not like I took a quiz and I found out my spiritual gifts and then I just started doing things that pertain to my giftedness. This is all <laughs> stuff that I am weak on that I had to get strong on in order to fulfill the calling that God had for me. And that also means anything I can do, I can tell you how to do it because it's not on the basis of just an innate ability. It's it's a teachable skill. Our Unger Glenn brand spiritual weakness surveys are <laughs> not selling well. Yes, that's right. Yeah. It's not wildly popular. Tagline, what's wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, that's right. So, some of these people have been mentored by me. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that's... Uh, there's a, a a certain amount of uh, uh, you know a, a myth making. I think we we love this idea of the lone genius. Uh, we love this idea of the the great wise. Uh, you know whatever he descends from the mountaintop. Yeah, and and we love the idea that that's why I suck because I don't have this other person's amazing giftedness. Sure. Uh, and if I had that, then then that would allow me to succeed and so forth. I'm not going to give you that luxury. I'm a dude, same as you. Believe me, I have my flaws. Uh, it, it, the, the truth is, if you do this as long as I have, and I've done it a scary long time. I've been doing this before mostly people listen to this podcast were born. Uh, the truth is, uh, you find all of these problems kind of fall into similar categories. So mm -hmm. it, it, it's really about, first of all, recognizing that you've covered this kind of thing before, and then listening for what makes it different and unique so that you're not giving a pat answer. Uh, the, the, the truth is, and, and, and this is really important for us to look at, uh, my ministry focus has always been about reproducing myself. That is to say, raising someone up from uh, you know, either a non-believer or somebody just starting out in their belief and, go, and raising that person all the way up until they can go out and then they can... They can uh, lead other people to the Lord and disciple other people. Well, here's the thing with doing that is you, in order to do that, you have so many moments where people are asking you unanswerable questions, where people are presenting to you hairy, complicated ideas uh, that they have struggles with, and you are forced to, to, to face all of that. You can't just pass it off. If you're preaching, and that's all you're doing, just going from place to place to place preaching, you're not facing any of that. You're not right. dealing with any of the challenges of that. Uh, 
so that uh, you end up focusing on numbers and you end up focusing on uh, sales or, or audience response or all of that, and then hoping that that equates to ministry. Uh, the difference in the voices that you hear on this podcast is that all of us do that depth piece. So we've, we've, we've had to face people one-on-one who are saying, I have this problem. What, I, you know, what do you think about my situation? Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the truth is there are a lot of other people who may be your heroes, I'd say with uh, Wiggly. You can hear the finger fingers. quotes. Yeah. Uh, the, uh, your other spiritual heroes who almost never talk to people one-on-one about yeah. Jesus. Right. Uh, if you're looking for a book in the in the Christian bookstore about people who do that, uh, 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 Christian music that's written by people who do that, uh, if you're looking to go to seminars and conferences and whatever, like people who do face-to-face, one-on-one ministry over a long period of time, have gotten a lot of it done, you're gonna you're gonna have a really hard time. This podcast is different because uh, that's the kind of stuff that we do. Uh, and if you want to get good at it, it's easy enough for you to get yourself in that same kind of position. That's absolutely right. And uh, Lee, I think we, we can get you to pick up there. There is there are, is part of this that is going to point you there. It's just going to be reps. So you get in a, right. a situation where there's a lot of people who really kind of demand an answer on this, and you have to come up with something satisfactory, and uh, the door is locked. So mm-hmm. it's time to get tap dancing. But there, there are some <laughs> fundamental kind of emotional level um, things we want to start with when you hear a question from somebody, and uh, I think that steers us in the right direction. So, what are all those things? Yeah, I, one of the, the one of the things that I thought of on this is is the word empathy. Um, you know, the the place that we want to start a lot is, you know, what does it feel like to to be in a position where you would ask that question? Um, wh- where are you starting? You know, what can you hear in the place where you're starting? The interesting thing is is that. The guys on this podcast, we've basically, we've almost always been in the situation that that the question asker is in. I mean, you know, when when you ask a question, we're like, yeah, I remember that one. Uh, Somebody asked another question. Yeah, I've been to that one too. Um, Gosh, I I remember what that was like. That really sucked. Um, What did I need to hear in that moment? What did I want to hear in that moment? How can we... Mm -hmm. What was I able to hear in that moment? Mm-hmm. How can we cross those divides and make all that work together? How can I speak to you where you are? I know that when I was there, the one thing I didn't want to hear was X, you know, or whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. And that's the whole deal is if we can come at this with some humility and say, yeah, I, I know what it feels like to be in that situation. Um, you know, I've done that bonehead thing before, or I've had that really sucky thing happen to me before and try to remember what that felt like and to, and to start with empathy and to say, Mm -hmm. you know, I, gosh, I'm so sorry that you're right there. You hear us saying that a lot. If you listen to the show very much, and that's not, that's not a parrot talk kind of a thing. That's us saying, golly, I I remember that. (laughs) I remember that, 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 that sucked. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and so we want to start there. What are you able to hear in that moment? What do you need to hear? What's different from what you want to hear slash what do you need to hear? And so that's, that's another thing that we try to do is, is, is start with what do you feel like? Um, what, what, what's that felt need and kind of move from there to the ideal. Where are we? Where do we need to get to? And, and what can you hear in the middle of that? 
Amen. That's a fantastic yeah. place to take that. And Jed, I'd love to get you to close us out on this. With there is certainly what uh, Lee has pointed us to there. If you can apply your own experience to something, mm-hmm. that's if you don't have anything else to 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 draw on, that's a, always a fantastic place to start. But this this ties into something we were uh, kind of talking about last episode with um, making big decisions and then worrying about the best way to do that, as opposed to sometimes you think, I don't know how to have this conversation, therefore this conversation is not worth having. Right. I think there's a thing that happens when you, um, as Glenn pointed out, what people hear from us on the podcast, or if they uh, listen to the bridge, or if they know us from life, is not fantastic ideas. It is a almost scientific method. Uh, tried this, tried that. Here's what worked with people who, you know, if someone came out of jail and is in addiction treatment and wants to, has this question, that based on having done that a hundred times, other people in that, I know this. Yeah. But what does that first one look like when you, when you're very early on and starting to, before you initially have that expertise, what would you tell us? Let me put it this way. I'm, I'm not phrasing this great. Um, someone is going to work with a certain group of people that could be homeless people, that could be youth, that could be mm-hmm. people, whatever. Mm-hmm. What are the things you start looking for in those conversations that will spider web out into the other ones? That's a great question. So don't start with trying to have answers for anything. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Long you. before I knew what to say to anyone, uh, I developed a different skill first, and that skill was listening. Right. right. Um, and you actually, uh, it's a cliche, but it's true. Nobody cares so much you know until they know how much you care. Yeah. Um, if you decide to care about people and then to make it clear, I care about you, mm-hmm. how are you doing you wouldn't believe the things people will tell you. Right. Yeah. Uh, that's a skill literally anyone can develop. Again, if you make up your mind to care about the people in front of you and then communicate to them, I care about you, on that basis, how are you doing? People will tell you all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. And um, that's a skill I developed long before I developed the skill of knowing what to say in response. Mm-hmm. Because, mm-hmm. Matt, part of the answer to your question is you can't possibly know what to say if you're not listening. Mm-hmm. You know right, what I mean? Right, yeah. Um, this idea of I'm the answer man. So I said, well, I thought I kind of have a story. Okay. So here's what you do about it. You know that nobody wants that, but if you listen long enough, and again, if you're starting, don't worry about having answers, just listen. That's it. There is great ministry in listening to a person saying, man, I don't know the answers, but I'm praying for you. Let's pray together right now. That's absolutely fine. That's lovely. And if you're new to ministry, say, I don't know the answers. I want to think about it. I want to pray about it. Let's get together in a couple of days and talk further. And then go find a mentor or a pastor and without revealing confidential details, say, here's the thing and what would you say and blah, blah, blah. That's fine. That's lovely. That's beautiful. That's what I would do. But here's the other thing that happens. If you listen long enough to enough people, you make a shocking discovery. You discover that the Bible is true when it says the following, there is no temptation taken you except what is common to man. Right. Yes. Here's what that means. We're all having the same problems. Mm. All of us. Right. No one is having a unique problem. Everybody's problems are variations on a theme. Everybody. Absolutely everybody. Everybody's problems are unique in the sense that there are little details that make them slightly different and they need to be addressed slightly differently. But the very, very broad strokes, the very big picture, it's the same thing for everybody. It's the same stuff again and again and again. Give an example of what I mean. We do a lot of ministry work with people that serve in local churches. 99 out of 100 problems for people who serve in local churches boil down to this. You need to confront someone. Right. Yep. And you don't want to. Right. 
Um, it may be that you feel like you don't know how, maybe that you're just afraid to do it. Um, it may be that it's really uncomfortable. Maybe that it feels unchristian to you, but the problem boils down to, you need to have a confrontation and for a variety of reasons, you won't. Now I can't shortcut that process of listening. They need to talk that whole thing out. I may know that's the answer two minutes in, but we've still, we've still got to listen. We've got to talk for the next hour. They've got to talk for the next hour. I need to listen. But if you listen long enough, you realize everybody's having the same problems over and over and over again, which means that you can put all of your thought and all of your empathy and all of your focus and all of your prayer life into what do they need to hear to empower them to move forward. In the spirit of it's not enough to be right, it doesn't actually matter that I know the problem is they're not confronting people Right. if I can't help them understand what stands in the way of them confronting people. Right. Um, and a, a, an answer that I can't sell you on is not a useful answer. Right. It's, it's right. a happy little miracle. Yeah. The doctor may know the perfect medicine to instantly cure everything that's wrong with you. If he can't convince you to take it, it makes right. no difference. Right. And so it is here. All of the, all of the, the wisdom and all of the creativity and all of the everything, all the resources have to go into how do we get, how do we present this in a way where you'll believe it? How do we present this in a way where you'll take it, where you will take this information and, and act on it? And that's reps. That's, mm-hmm. as Glenn said, years and years and years and years of failure. Well, that didn't work. <laughs> right, that's right. Let's try this other yeah, thing. Yeah. But start by listening. That's something you can start doing today, and that will build to all the rest of this. That is absolutely right. We'll move on to the second half of this question. Uh, also came into Glenn's blog, and Jed, the blog is like a newspaper, but it's on the internet. Is it like a series of tubes? In many ways. In that I do have a physical copy of Glenn's blog vacuum to me on a daily basis okay um this is the second half of that question and uh it says what school did you attend to learn to minister the way you do now <laughs> dear friends because there's a finite amount of recording space in this computer <laughs> i'm going to save you many many seminary rants <laughs> and sum up our theories feelings thusly um if you want to be the head pastor at a mainline denomination church in order to have that job you have to have a seminary degree, right. an MDF. Um, there's a number of good reasons for that. People right. want to make sure they're theologically lined out and all that. Right. That's right. great. Right. Um, that is a that is a perfectly reasonable and smart reason to go to seminary. Right. Anyone else? I will quote a very very high level denominational person to a young man at the bridge service who was volunteering with us, who very excitedly told him, "Pastor, I'm thinking of going to seminary." And this man who Again, it's probably the highest placed person in denomination I've ever personally met. He's in the sense of, how are you doing this week, Pastor? Well, they flew me to Beijing yeah. to talk to some churches, and I just right. got back, so I'm a little tired. Right, right. That's how that is. As a PhD and all the deals, this, this young man, I look, very studied, measures says, don't go if you don't have to. That's true. <laughs> That's right. So if you want to know what we think about seminary, That's it what is, we think. don't go if you don't have to. But we all did learn in many other uh, ways and Lee, you you are a church pastor who did not go to seminary, which is right. and you're a better ministry than a lot of church pastors. So, um, what did you do and how did that work? Um, two weeks before I graduated from college with a liberal arts degree in secondary ed history and political science, uh, the pastor of the church where I was volunteering uh, showed up and said, "Hey, I want to offer you a job." And I asked him, "I said, do I need to go to seminary?" And he said, "Uh, I I really wouldn't." Um, that would be a gigantic waste of time and money. 
And uh, he said, instead of that, why don't you just come on staff and um, and we'll just you, you'll just start. And I said, what we do? And basically, he described what is an apprenticeship. Um, I followed him around, him and the other pastor that was on staff, and I watched them uh, do marriage counseling, hospital visits. Um, We did prison ministry together. I watched them preach. I watched them teach classes, plan Bible studies, lead prayer meetings, the whole nine yards. Um, everything that was smart, I stole with, uh, with no apology or reservation. And every question I had, I asked and wrote down the answers. And every, every, as, as Glenn said, every failure I learned from, um, as far as, as far as, you know, for me, I, you know, I was a, I was a pastor in a small church, just apprenticing other under under other pastors for ten years before I ever recorded an answer to any question on the say that podcast. And um, so it's as Jeb was saying, as Glenn was saying, it's just a lot of reps, a lot of stealing, a lot of on the job experience. Just literally, this is how you do a hospital visit. This is how you. Uh, this is how you walk a family through planning the funeral service of this person who has just passed away. This is how you do premarital counseling. This is how you deal with this situation. This is how you go to um, a mental health institute to visit, you know, one of the parishioners or their family members. This is how you walk a person to heaven at the end of a terminal illness. This is how you do this. It was all on the job training. Um, I followed around guys. I stole everything they did that worked. I learned from failures. It was, it was that show up and do it every day. That's a fantastic way to start. Um, Jed, I'd love to get you on this. Uh, you had a, a relatively similar experience mm-hmm. as far as learning that way. But one, one key difference is when you started volunteering at the bridge, you did not have a direct line to, uh, working for the bridge mm. in your mind, Glenn has a way of seeing these things differently than us <laughs> sure. do. Uh, Glenn's a schemer, sure, no yeah. about it. But you you learned how to do ministry before you maybe had an idea of this is what I want to do full time. So in that sense, when you're still just volunteering, what were the kind of things you were looking for to learn from for someone who is not set for vocational ministry, but they volunteer? maybe help lead a small group or with the children's ministry or something. What is something they can learn from the people who do it better and some skills they should necessarily be looking to sharpen as they get it going? Mm -hmm. Well, I think the key thing is to just ask a million questions Mm -hmm. uh, and pay attention. Yeah. I mean, uh, just like Lee is describing, you know, I I essentially apprenticed under Glenn for a very, very long time. uh, But, you know, that was a bajillion hours of conversations of doing right. the thing and then going and grabbing a hamburger and saying, okay, why did you do that the way that's, you did it? That's right. right. right, right, right. right why right. was this? And what about this? And why didn't you do this other thing? Um, and you know, Glenn was very patient and, you know, broke all that down and said, you know, so I did this cause of this, if I did this, this would explode. If I did this <laughs> it would catch on fire. So, um, uh, so I think getting in the habit, you know, Getting in the habit of asking questions is really the key thing because, um, A, that's the fastest way to learn, and B, good ministry has a lot of non-obvious stuff going on. One of the things that I realized very quickly, and I'm sure Lee would agree with this, is whenever Glenn would explain things to me, I would realize 
That's not what I would have guessed was going right, on here. Right, right, right. That's, right, right. Uh, you know, and just looking at it, observing it, I thought ABC, but it turns out that was not true at all, mm-hmm. at all, at all. So if you're dealing with a field, which ministry definitely is, that isn't self-apparent what's making it tick, um, that means going with your best guesses is a bad idea if you don't absolutely have to. Um, You know, it's, we can all relate to the impulse to when you're the new guy wanting to, you know, you know, make people think, yeah, I got thoughts and ideas too. You know, I can do, I I know how to do stuff. Um, Don't do that. Just be humble. Just, just ask. Uh, That's, that's how you learn. It's also worth noting, this may sound, you know, if you kind of have come up around a suburban environment, this may sound kind of foreign and weird. Just so you know, this is the model of how people learn ministry basically everywhere that is not a white suburban church. Right, that's right. Well, that would, but Jeb, that would also mean everywhere that maybe people don't have $30,000 in disposable income to go to seminary. It does. It's a funny correlation, Brother Younger. Also, it's what you see happening in the New Testament. It's what it's what oh. Jesus did and the book of Acts. That's the, I'm not the familiar with that, any of that. Mm. That is 100% true. It's what Tim Jesus Tim Keller did. didn't write the book of Acts. I'm not familiar with it. Absolutely. <laughs> so kind of day-by-day uh, day, master apprentice on the job training is what Jesus did with his disciples. It's what's described throughout the book of Acts. Again, it's what happens... Everywhere that is not a white suburban church. Right. Everywhere that is not a white suburban church. And if you can dig it, even in a lot of white suburban churches, the most effective ministry that goes on tends to be youth ministry uh, yes, in the vast right. majority of churches. And all the training there is master apprentice. That's right. The, the people that do that, that's how they learned it. Yep. Um, so, um, in fact, the one place that that doesn't occur is the senior pastor of a wealthy white suburban church. Right. right. That's that's actually literally the only place in Christendom that is not built on Master Apprentice, right. and it kind of explains why there are so many problems from a ministry standpoint. Yep, that's absolutely right. Now I uh, I can't imagine that he realized anything to say on this topic. <laughs> but even given that, I will throw to Glenn. Well, and and full disclosure, uh, I I I speak to seminary students. Are you I, nice to them? I'm super not. Nope. I if you think I say bad stuff about them behind their back, he says it all to their face. That, that is one thing. If you're if you're relatively new to the show, anything about seminaries, church people right. that Glenn says on the show, you think would he say it to their face? Yes, yes. and more. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is you know so, uh, uh, and these are people that I love. These are some of my closest friends in the world. That you know, seminary professors who, who love us and treat us great. Uh, a lot of the frustration you hear us dealing with is 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 sort of uh we don't know how to help them break out of the problems that they have yeah and they don't either and and we're all kind of frustrated with that uh, but again in 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 the vein of demystifying all of this and taking it out of the realm of of uh you know the some sort of special giftedness or special whatever whatever I think it's important to recognize I believe uh that uh, the ministry environment that you're in creates a demand and you either rise to that demand and overcome it and 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 get to the next demand or you 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 chicken out and you go home and you cry and you don't do anything that's totally true dude and the, the yeah and the thing about this ministry that that we do is it's super difficult it's too, super tough super uh people will stab you that's right and the the thing is that 
that ministry environment requires so much more of us than other environments do. Yeah. So if I was in a, an environment where no one ever really said I did a good job or a bad job or told me I needed to do it better, I would be super lazy because I could do it and get away with it. Sure. I'm not in that environment. So yeah. it's I've, I've chosen a mission field because I love the people on it that happens to be super challenging. So to us, we don't look and say, hey, we're, we're smarter than these guys who go to seminary. We look at ourselves and say, we are not smart enough to get done what we need to get done right now. Mm-hmm. We're trying to do something new, and we don't know how. And as such, you, you hear these fellows talking about asking for advice and mentoring and so forth. We still ask questions yeah. of other people. Uh, we are doing that now yes. with different yeah. things. If, if there's somebody somewhere that knows something we don't, we are much more aggressive than other people you, you might know and, and deal with out there in terms of asking for that advice. Because you know, we, we know that we still need it. As, as Jed, I think, was implying... That, that's sort of a habit that you get into yeah. of just being humble about seeking that advice and and having that perspective and finding those people. But the, part of what I'm I'm saying here is that the situation itself will bring, breed that yeah. in you, and it's about putting yourself in that position. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. When I started in ministry, um, I had a I was a prison chaplain with a juvenile facility. I would do my facility, and then I would go to a second facility where it was maximum uh, 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 security, uh, so you couldn't have all the the inmates in one place for chapel time. So you had to go unit to unit to unit to preach to them. So there's 15 units in the building. There's usually three of us that would show up, and these are other chaplains from other facilities. These are men who've been doing it 20 years, 30 years, and these guys are... Jedi level preachers. I mean, can do the deal. And then here's me, 21 years old, no idea, completely clueless. Think I'm amazing, but really, come on. You're welcome. (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And, uh, but here's the cool thing was we were all preaching on the same topic through the whole building because it was set up to the next day. Uh, volunteers would come in and do small group meetings where they would kind of discuss what was happening in the chapel service the day before. So uh, we all had to preach on the same topic. So I'm sitting there with my sermon notes, and they're sitting there with their sermon notes, the other chaplains, and I would say, uh, hey, what do you guys have for, for this part? Or what verse did you use on that? And they would sit down, and they would go through my notes, and they'd start you know, uh, drawing a line through certain bullet points that I had, uh, writing new ones in, rearranging stuff, and explain to me, start with this, don't start with that. And then they would say, come up and listen to me, because we're each doing the same sermon like five times in a row, which is, I can't tell you how much usefulness that is. But we're going up there, and those those pastors are, are, are were saying, listen to me do that once steal whatever you want, and then you go do your five, uh, adding whatever you want out of what I say with whatever you've got. And then when they were done, they would come over and listen to me. And now I'm on the the, the fifth version of this that's been improved each time I preach it because some of this didn't work and I had to try something new. And then, you know, 
you really get that thing polished by the time you sure. get to the last time. And those guys would would sit and listen to me preach, and then walking out, they would say, don't do this. That was unnecessary. You should have covered this. This part was great. Keep that in there. Always do that. You know, keep lock that in. So ha- having an environment like that, I'm averaging a sermon uh, between my facility and this facility. I'm averaging a sermon every 24 hours. I'm, I have seven times the rate of sermon experience wow. of the average pastor out there. Putting myself in that kind of position accelerated things dramatically. So I think it's about if you want to learn more, you have to be put in those positions where you're in way over your head. You don't know what's going on. You have to ask for advice. It's not about I'm going to find my giftedness and my comfort zone, and I'm going to stay in that. I'm going to just everything's going to be cool. It's about recognizing, in terms of the school stuff, academics does not grow your walk. It's great for as as exactly as Matt was saying. Know know the good doctrine. Know the this the Bible stuff. That's all good. It's all fine. You can get that for free if you don't need the degree right. for the for your job. But if but but seminary is going to give you that. They're not going to teach you how to do ministry to people. That's not what that's for. That's yeah. that's not what's going on there. For that, you need apprenticeship, and you need an environment that cultivates and challenges you in that way. I think that's absolutely right. One small thing I would tack on the end here is a person who is uh, newest in this particular journey, though I've been at this for quite a little minute at this point. Um, exactly as Glenn is pointing out, if you if you view kind of finding your place in the kingdom, which will involve helping people. That's kind of, if you read that book, it's in there, it's in there quite a bit. Right. Um, th- and it is something that some, not all, but there's some flavors of this in certain uh, culture, Christian cultural aspects of the idea is to find the thing you will get up to speed with quickest. That's mm-hmm. most in line with your gifts. Mm-hmm. And that's just not the way any of this works. Yeah. That's right. Your goal should not be to find the thing you think you will be best at. And then try to do that. That's right. Because um, you will almost invariably find that you're terrible at whatever you try, right. which is fine because you've never done it before. <laughs> That's right. Yes, exactly. That's perfectly okay. As we have, have uh, unfortunately had to point out to many people that you're not good at this and there's no reason you would be. That's right. But I'll as that say, these tough lessons and the apprenticeships you guys are talking about, that will take root if you have set, if you've gotten together with the Lord. And put decided this is the thing I'm doing. It can just be for now. Doesn't have to be forever. Doesn't have to be a career. You say, I really think it'd be a good thing to help with whatever. They'll go to the old folks' home or children's ministry, or whatever. And at least for the next six months, I made this commitment, so I'm going to be gung ho about doing this. Well, if you've made that decision, then when you hit those bumps in the road, when you uh, have some issues, when you uh, get told by the person in charge that you're doing an unsatisfactory job and the thing you thought was going to go really well, um, then you adapt and learn and move on that. Mm -hmm. But if your goal is, no, I thought I'd be really good at this. We've seen a lot of people, unfortunately, who had a lot of gifts, who had a lot of heart, who, the right thing, but the first time they get told, oh, that was really bad. Like, you can't do that again. Right. You must rethink everything if you want to do that again. Right. There's a certain amount of just kind of crumbling away. Or yeah. you, it starts there and you can see it happen. I'll share one quick story on our, on our way out the door here. Um, the first time I preached the bridge was a couple of years before I came on staff here. That's right. Yeah. Um, was on, uh, we would come up every summer with a trip that uh, Lee brought up with high school kids. I was in uh, college, young life leader, so I would kind of help out on that. And I'd met Glenn and Jed. And we talked to Glenn a little bit and he thought, 
I, th- I think at this point, mainly for his own amusement. Yeah. That he would put me on stage in front of 70 or so uh, ex-cons and gangbangers <laughs> and just see what happens. Right. Maybe he'll just combust. That's I don't right. know. But I'm, I'm sitting down with Glenn and a guy who used to, to work for Glenn at the time who was a, a very large Puerto Rican ex-gang member. Yeah. And he's one of the most loving people I've ever met and a great dude, right. but he was intense about his job. Right. So I'm, Glenn says, well, he just runs through what you're going to say in the sermon, which I now know is code for, is this 21-year-old honky <laughs> going to say anything that screws up my service? That's right. And the right instinct. Fair question. But I, I go through and I, I do what so many, if if you're a bridge preacher listen to this, I don't think you've got a bridge preacher listen to this, but... Don't do this thing that I'm going to tell you I tried to do, which is I was going to start by talking about how neat I thought the bridge was, because I thought, if I think they're neat, you know what's going to happen? Mm. They're going to think I'm neat. Okay. <laughs> so we, we'd, I'll, I'll say we'd done a thing with a trip in the winter. I was like, oh, you know, I love the bridge, and I love it so much, and we came up here, it was 20 degrees, and we did it anyway, and gosh, isn't that all fun? And this guy looked at me, and with no judgment, and I said, yeah, no one cares. <laughs> this is not the way we talk in church what are you talking about I say, oh don't say that no one cares about that that's right that's just right. oh gosh <laughs> and if my own thing my only thing had been how or isn't everyone blessed by my neatness um right. that that would have been the end sure yeah because i'm right. no longer neat what are we doing that's right that's right in fa- instead because glenn does not ask you to preach the bridge Glenn declares that you shall <laughs> preach at the bridge. So I was going to have to give That's this sermon. True, right. I needed to survive. Right. So this guy was right. giving me useful survival tips. That's right. Don't That's say right. that. That's right. Great. That's right. And it makes you better. But all that is kind of a mindset thing. As we said, even if you're statistically, mo- uh, the vast majority of the people who listen to this show, though I think we're probably being the average, are not going to go into vocational ministry. You're not going to be on staff to church, not going to be missionaries. Everybody has a ministry. Yep. That's right. That could be. Uh, something that, that could be the person who does youth stuff at the church for 50 straight years. It could move around, but you're going to encounter people, even though it's just your family and friends who you want to, they have questions. And if they know you're kind of on this Christian thing, they might be, and hopefully you're praying that that's where these questions land eventually is with you. And if you do these, these things you guys have laid out, you're going to start growing in the direction of God needing of where God wants you to be on that stuff. And we know you can do it. If you have a question, say that podcast, gmail.com, thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. We're going to take out the song. This is from our May 2017 edition of Bridgebox. This is the wonderful and talented Christy Younger singing a song that we wrote called Woo! When I yes. Found You. We'll take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, right. we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about I it. I completely forgot to write an outro, but... Uh... <laughs> Classic. There's a hardware. I am home, there's a comfort and a peace, there's a place where I belong, where I can just be me.
Found.